cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup It is Wednesday, June the 17th Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And uh, Will, the Two Guys, One Cup Cup is back in the hands of St. Kilda Well, stays in the hands because we, we beat you last year we, It was another upset last year when we beat you And so we've continued the tradition of uh, upsetting the Bulldogs um, how do you feel about the weekend? I mean, what it was it was a, a game that the Bulldogs needed to win and win emphatically just to let people know that they're a serious contender. Where are you now? Well, either that or they were, it was a game that they needed to lose emphatically and let me know that I didn't really have to care about this season. And I feel <laughs> like that's the direction they actually went in. There were six players from the Premiership team of 2016 and we played like a team that only had six players from a Premiership team of 2016. Yeah, I have uh, been I, I sort of watched uh, Bevo's press conference after the fact and read a bit of the commentary around it and it seems to be there is this discussion about selection at the Bulldogs table, like why is McLean not in the game, why is Gowers playing why is McLean not in the team what do you feel is the problem? What is your read on it? Because I know you were very confident after the trade period and you were very excited leading into the season. That excitement was dampened a little bit after the round one result. What is the Will Anderson take? You're on the board of the Bulldogs. What do you think's going on? I think we were too confident. I think that's the problem with the Bulldogs. Clearly, we were too confident coming into the season. We had too much expectation and that is no good for us. Maybe this is the... I thought... My, my hope was that our loss in round one, our embarrassing loss in round one would be the reset that we needed to get back down, lower the expectations, put the Mm. lid back on it, put a second lid on, wrap it in foil, (laughs) wrap it in some baking paper, put it in a crock pot, bury it in the back garden in a time capsule. That's where where the lid is at the moment. We are 18th on the ladder of 18 (laughs) teams. And all I can say, Charlie, is fuck me. I'm glad it's a short season. In fact, halfway through that match, at halftime, I was just like, could some coffee motherfucker walk out of one of those quarantine hotels down to the fucking game and cough on somebody who's playing in this game so the Bulldogs don't have to play for the rest of the season? It is, yeah, it was It was a, It was was a. a weird match to watch. It was a weird match to kind of... To The question now becomes... What happened in 2016? Was that the anomaly? Like, that's what that's what people are starting to question now. Yes. Well, it clearly was. There's no way to put it other than 2016 was the anom- anomaly. We finished seventh. We fluked a premiership. We should just feel lucky and grateful that somehow in the middle of a team that probably wasn't that good, we managed to fluke a premiership out of it. It makes me more grateful about 2016 because I now see it as the statistical anomaly and blip on the radar that it actually was. And I can only have more gratitude that somehow during like a moment of serendipity, we were lucky enough to win something. And so does that sort of put you in a more comfortable, familiar position as a Bulldog supporter, knowing that you weren't actually, you know, you're not, you're not actually in that kind of rarefied air of an elite club. You're sort of like the scrappers who kind of pulled off a good four weeks of football. Yeah, we Forrest Gumped it. We just accidentally found ourselves in a moment of history. 
The 2016 Bulldogs are the Forrest Gump of the AFL. That should be your 2020 slogan. Football is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> the Bulldogs are like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. Wasn't that Brian Royal's nickname? Wasn't it Choco Royal? No, I'm making that up. I'm just thinking of a chocolate royal. Uh, yes, chocolate royal. That's right. He was a, a he was a uh, box of chocolates, <laughs> but they were <laughs> Cadbury Royals. <laughs> uh, it was interesting seeing um, Josh Bruce running around in, in Bulldogs colours. Because when uh, that trade happened, I was like, oh, God damn it. Like, I like Josh Bruce. You know, I know he has his flaws and stuff, but he was a, you know, he was, Josh Bruce going to the Bulldogs was like having like a Kingswood that's, you know, been in the family for like 10 years. And you're like, I like that old Kingswood. It's dependable. It's reliable. You know, it's a crash and bash. It'll keep going through anything. But then you sort of sell the car and you see someone else driving it and then you see it break down on the side of the road and <laughs> having to call the RACV and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? It's actually kind of better that we got rid of that car. Him missing that shot. Yeah, that's their problem now. From 20 metres out, <laughs> directly in front, I was like, oh, that's right. He used to do that all the time for us. Now he's doing that for you. Oh, that's right. That's that car that I loved that I couldn't get started on a Saturday morning if it was too cold. Oh, that's that car that I loved that was leaking oil and uh, brake fluid all over the uh, garage floor. Yeah, no. Like, the only person... I felt so sorry in that game for Josh Bruce. Because he was the one who really must have been felt, feeling it, going, geez, I've made the wrong choice here. I'm re I, I really could have still been at this team that is now really good. Well, there was, uh, I didn't see it when it ha ha happened at the time, but there was a video going around online, especially amongst Saints fans, of an interview Josh Bruce did in the off-season where uh, they were just sort of talking to him about his new home at the Kennel and and uh, they're asking him, will it be weird when you come up against the Saints? <laughs> and his quote was, no, I'm just really looking forward to beating him. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it will be weird because that is not going to happen. They are going to paste you guys all over the field. The Bulldogs started okay. The first few minutes and we missed a few shots and uh, like, you know, we had an opportunity to probably be four or five goals up early in that first quarter. And I was just like, oh, well, maybe this is a good sign. You know, the Bulldogs, I do have a bit of a theory that when we're just taking a lot of shots, and yeah, we'll miss a, a whole bunch of them, but if we're taking a lot of shots, you know, the Bulldogs are at their best. But after that, they just looked undermanned. St Kilda looked great. I think that's part of it. It wasn't just that the Bulldogs were terrible. I thought St Kilda, you know, looked pretty good. Did you feel the same? Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. I think it was a perfect storm. I think that uh, the, uh, we, like the Bulldogs, had a disappointing loss in round one and we're determined to make up for it. And where it clicked for us, it didn't click for you guys. And I think too that this kind, this sort of season where everything's weird and out of whack and stuff, it doesn't take much psychologically for a team to kind of drop their heads. And I just sort of felt like there was a couple of coast-to-coast -coast goals that we did, which is so unusual for us. We are so, as Saints supporters and I'm sure as players, just not used to hitting targets and having clean runs of play. And, you know, the, the way we've drafted and the players have brought in who actually can break lines and actually like hit someone up reliably within 50. I think we got a bit of a shock. <laughs> you know, like our forwards were just like, what? what's this? You're putting it out in space in front of me, not like 10 feet over my head. And I think there was a couple of bits of play. Like the one bit of play that I think was the real uh, uh, bellwether was um, the one where Butler sort of set the play up and uh, got the ball to Hill. And then five Bulldogs players just stopped running. And he was able to just keep going, like waltzed from the 50-meter line to the goal square, got a handball and kicked the goal directly in front. And if you look at the replay, the Bulldogs players are all flat-footed and it's like, 
I think psychologically we've got him here. I mean, I think that might have been the moment where Eddie Maguire was in commentary and described it as silver service from the butler. And I was just like, oh, great. This is rubbing it in even more. The fact that I have to watch this embarrassment and also listen to Eddie's dad jokes at the same time. I'm having flashbacks to my life last year. Uh, yeah, so good stuff. Good stuff for the two guys, one cup cup. It's a great start of the year. I'm trying to keep a lid on it, Will, uh, but we haven't had a lot to cheer about at St Kilda lately. What do you think of Max King? Did you did you think he looked good? Oh, man, if he starts actually taking his marks, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Like, because he gets in all the right positions and, you know, he looks fantastic. He just looks like as soon as he starts taking those marks, clunking them a bit, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. So much like... Uh, 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 Every Victorian club and Matt Rowell. Hopefully we can get Ben King <laughs> down to the Saints in a couple of years' time. I was thinking about that, actually. You know, like there was talk last year about, uh, well, maybe the Saints can sneak in and, and get ben, ben King early. You know, he's just he signed his two-year contract, the the requisite thing for a draftee, but maybe the Saints can sneak in. He grew up barracking for the Saints. He'd play with his, his best mate, who was his brother. And then everyone was a bit surprised when he did that early contract extension. But I was thinking about it, and it's like there's nothing to lose for Ben King staying on the Gold Coast. A, they probably would have had a shit ton of money that they could have paid him. So, you know, for a first-year player, or yeah, he would have been first-year last year, um, he would have got a huge paycheck. Plus, his brother was drafted ahead of him. All the talk was about Max King. He was kind of considered the lesser king, even though it was only like five spots in the draft. So he gets to go to a state where there's not as much attention, where he can really work on his game. He's getting paid a lot of money. And he doesn't have to live in the shadow of his brother. Why wouldn't you stay on the Gold Coast? He's And he's 19. Why wouldn't you stay on the Gold Coast for five years, you know, buy your parents a home, buy yourself a home, and then later come down and play with your brother if you want? Or maybe, I mean, the way they're talking about Matt Rowell, maybe he'll be talking Max coming up to the Gold Coast to uh, be part of their, their, their three-peat. Well, that is the problem now that you face. Because obviously, you know, Ben King, he's signed to a long-term deal at the Gold Coast because he's seen Matt Rowell at training. He's, he's just, <laughs> he's just well, like... So, you believe the pundits, that's what's happened. Exactly. He's just like, you know what? I didn't even need to see this guy play a game of football. I've just seen him at training and I've signed myself to a long-term deal. It is amazing the amount of excitement around this kid. Like, I didn't see the whole game. I just watched the highlights and he looked really good. But the way that every single pundit and commentator was talking about him, it was like... You know, this guy is the second coming. That meme that was going around last week about who's the Michael Jordan of the AFL. Well, you'd think it was Matt Rowell, the way they're talking him up. Yeah, Matt Rowell, the first dance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that people look back on round one and they think, oh, it was good to see his only average game of football he's ever played. <laughs> well, Sam Walsh last year was like, everyone was like, oh, this kid is ready-made. He's by far and away, you know, the best uh, first-round draft pick since Nathan Buckley. Now it's, everyone's like, who, Sam who? Like, who gives a shit about Sam Walsh? Like, it's, it's incredible. I can't remember this much excitement around a first-year player. I hope he lives up to it. I mean, I don't think I am uh, 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 a studious uh, enough uh, watcher of the game to be able to pick whether a player with two games experience is going to be a superstar. But if you follow every podcast or TV show, they seem to think this guy's going to be unbelievable. I mean, the only problem with Matt Rowell is that he looks so much like a man on the AFL field. Like, he looks like he's been playing for 10 years, not for one mm. year. Is is there a chance that he has the football equivalent of the Benjamin Button disease? 
that he's going to start <laughs> he starts as shrinking. his oldest, but in the next 10 years, he's just going to get smaller and smaller and weedier and weedier until at the end of his career, he looks like a first-year player. I heard one description of him, which was a drive-by on Cameron Ling, where someone said he looks like Ling but plays like Vossi. <laughs> Like, you could have just kept it at Vossi. <laughs> like, why did you have to bring Cameron Ling in just to use as a qualifier for, you know, how, how, what you're not? Yeah, it's because he's got red hair. They were just thinking yeah, of the exactly. only people with red hair. Yeah, he's like Ronald McDonald. Like, they were just trying to think of people <laughs> with red hair. Walks like Nicole Kidman. What? Hang on. What are you, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, he's, he, he produces magic on the field like Harry Potter's mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. He's a real Rupert Grint. <laughs> he's got some <laughs> Rupert Grunt in the midfield. That's what he's got. He's got some real magic out there. Yeah, it's exciting, though. Like, I, as, much as, we've, as much as we've shat on the Gold Coast, I want to see them... Do well, like I would love. I love the idea of a healthy national competition, and it's such a dead zone for not just AFL but any other, you know, NBL or NRL. Anyone who's trying to send a team to the Gold Coast, it never works. I think it would be a real feather in the cap if the AFL could make it work. And you know, I'm all about like, I'm all about the underdog story. I never thought I would be into GWS, but last year leading to that grand final, I really wanted to see you know GWS go all the way. They clearly didn't. But I'm, I'm a fan. Would you? Do you want to see the Gold Coast do well? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind saying that. I mean, I'd like the Gold Coast to be a successful franchise. And suddenly when you look at somebody like Raul, who lives and breathes football, I mean, absolutely loves football. He's not like one of those champion players. Often you hear about those really gun players. They're like, oh, he doesn't actually watch other games. He's not really that interested in football most of the time. You know, he just he's good at playing football. But he's apparently a real football head, lives and breathes football. Right. And I think that if that club's going to develop a proper culture and a proper, um, you know, club history, they need one of those people who just loves the idea of the Gold Coast being a champion football team. Well, I'm just trying to think of, like, in the history of expansion clubs, you know, has there ever been anyone who's like like a homegrown from the very first game they're at the club not like a Gary Ablett that they drafted in or you know when they set up Port Adelaide they bring over Wanganine or whatever has there ever been a player like that early in an expansion club I can't think of the early days of Port or Frio if they had any player quite like that there was you know mercenaries and and guns they had pulled from other clubs or whatever but for a guy to be you know out of the draft straight into the club like it's a tremendous opportunity for them to build you know to build their culture and their legend around this one player like Jordan at the Bulls I mean now I now I'm doing it the pundits have got me comparing to Jordan but you know it's exciting you want to get into the hype this kid could be the the savior of that club that disastrous club he's not Jordan until he starts having fights with his own teammates at training until he starts you know punching two meter Peter in the face because he's not competing hard enough then he's the Michael Jordan of the Gold Coast well, he's going to start punching two-meter Peter because there's not enough room for redheads in this club. We've only got a few redhead metaphors and analogies, and if two-meter Peter starts taking him, then there won't be enough for Matt Rowe. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? That, like, Michael Voss and Matt Rowe, you know, two guys playing, you know, in the hottest conditions in the country, Brisbane and Gold Coast, <laughs> two redheads. Like, what is that about? Like, I mean, by the end of his career, if Matt Rowe plays that much football on the Gold Coast, he's just going to be one giant freckle. He's going to be the first. He's going to be the first guy to miss a lot of games through skin cancer. Well, he's not because Ruffy, of course, red hair. He, same thing. This is the big danger for the Gold Coast. The danger for Raul isn't his hamstring, his knee, osteitis pubis. It's literally sunburn. <laughs> they need to be sponsored by SunSmart. I mean, could that happen? 
The Suns sponsored by SunSmart? Yeah, Slip Slop Slap, the Gold Coast Suns. I, like, I imagine that, like, the old days when they used to oil down the players, you know, they would always come out glistening with oil. He's going to be mm. the same, but he's gonna, just going to have to come out with SPF 30, 30 plus <laughs> all over him. <laughs> so, hang on, is he doing whiteface in this game? <laughs> um, did you see the Collingwood-Richmond game? Uh, I saw some of the Collingwood-Richmond game, yeah. Baffling. Not a great start. It was one of those games where it's like, oh, shit. Like, have they forgotten how to play? <laughs> is this what it's going to be like? Is this what the shortened quarters and uh, the shortened breaks and all that time off has done? But I'm, I'm glad that it was just seemed to be an anomaly. It was, a, it was a weird... It was just a strange game with so much potent firepower on both sides. I don't know if it was because they're so evenly matched. They, the whole thing was an arm wrestle or if they were... They were both playing defensively. It was just a strange, strange game, wasn't it? Oh, well, the thing about it is, I think, firstly, the conditions were bad. Like, it was yeah. incredibly slippery. It was cold. It had been raining. Then you've got the two best defensive teams in the entire competition going up against each other, and they've not seen any other game played. So they're out there not knowing how it's going to happen either. By the time that people have seen a couple of games, they start to have go, okay, well, this is how the game can be played. This is how it's going to be different. This is how it's not going to be different in any way. We can get a bit of a sense of it. But they were the first two going in just going, I'm not sure how this is going to go. To me, it was a bit like the first time I try a new stand-up show. That first yeah. night when you go out and it's all brand new material, you're just like, well, I just don't really know where the jokes are. I'm just going to say things. And when you laugh, I'll be like, oh, those are the jokes. And then on the second night, you start to go back and go, okay, I kind of know where the rhythm of this is. I know where the funniest bits are. I know the structure of this. And I think that both Richmond and Collingwood just did not know what was going to happen. And the game was played a little bit like that. You almost, I, I get the feeling like if, if Richmond and Collingwood are, uh, are like two of the standout teams, or let's throw a blanket over them. So like GWS, West Coast, uh, Collingwood and Richmond. I would have put the Bulldogs in there, but you know, okay, it's been a drastic reevaluation of the Bulldogs premiership. They're 18s. We're going to have to Stephen Bradbury <laughs> this premiership if we're going to win it. But if you are one of those four teams, I feel like, and they are like the, the best teams in the league. I almost feel like with what's happened this year and the, uh, you know, the compressed season and the shortened quarters and stuff, it's almost like a waste to see one of them win a flag. You know what I mean? It's almost like taking a Ferrari, you know, uh, you know, out into the paddock and just like thrashing it about a bit. It's like, let a St Kilda or a, or a North Melbourne or a Suns win it this year. In this strange year in which things are harder to come by, like let one of the... When one of the battlers just have a little taste of it, you know? It's kind of like, you'll get a flag again. Don't worry about it. There's plenty of time when the season goes back to normal or when we get back to, like, normal conditions. But in the meantime, let's it's an odd year. Let's have an odd winner. The Okay, if you had to make a pick now, then, of a team that yeah. isn't one of those powerhouse teams to win the premiership, if it's an odd year and we're going to have an odd winner, at this stage, going into round three, who's your most likely, unlikely winner? I mean... I think poetically it would be St Kilda or Melbourne, like two, two like very unsuccessful clubs. Finally, you know, get to the big dance and it's in front of no people. You know, that would be, <laughs> that would make sense to me. Like as a Saint supporter, as a doom and gloom pessimistic Saint supporter, like even Gemma said it the other day because I I told her that we won and she was very surprised. <laughs> And she's like, oh, what happens if they win the grand final this year? Will you be able to go? And I was like, well, probably not. And she's like, well, that would be perfect. And I'm like, yes, that's probably how it'll go down. Like one of us, one of us long-suffering clubs will win the flag. Um, 
So, okay, so how do you feel? If that happens, how do you yeah. feel about that? Because that's, well, that's a good... I, I think you would be able to go because you've done a good job of finagling your way into a club as an ambassador. And I yeah. think that if they're going to have some people at the grand final, it's most likely going to be ambassadors and lifelong members. And you are one of those people, you've been a member for a very long time. You're an ambassador of the club. You would probably actually be one of the select few that was invited to the game. But let's put it as a black and white scenario. Okay. Uh, the Saints are playing on grand final day. This is your choice. They get to win the premiership, but you don't get to be there. Mm. Or... You don't get to win the premiership. Would you prefer them to win the premiership even if you don't get to be there? 100%. I mean, if ISO has taught me anything, it's like I don't need people. <laughs> I don't need the outside world. All I need is my large flat screen TV and surround sound. I've fucking really enjoyed like watching these games with pre-recorded crowd noise. I, I think more artificial elements to football. That's what we need. Just give me the virtual reality goggles. I don't need to leave my living room. In fact, I don't even need to watch the games. I just want to put an avatar, some sort of two-pack style hologram on my couch watching the Bulldogs play. Yeah, I uh, look, I think this year, because I feel like there is a bit of an asterisk next to this year. If this is the year that we win the flag and I can't go, then I think I'd be okay with that. I think I'd be fine. Yeah, no, I, 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 and also, and beggars can't be choosers. I think if you're a Richmond or a Collingwood or, you know, one of those kind of top tier teams, you'd be a bit more pissed off. I think especially if you were one of those guys, because I know all my Richmond supporting mates were gutted when they didn't make the grand final in 2018 because they felt like, fuck, we are the best team in the league and we just let that one slip. And there is a very finite time for you to create, you know, a legacy, be it a three-peat or a dynasty or, or whatever it is. So it's more of an issue for us battler teams. It's like fuck yeah, man! Like it, it's 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 anarchy. Let's go out to the streets. We can we can we can loot the AFL. We can steal ourselves a premiership. While the people are so busy with everything else that's going on in the world, let's go throw a trash can through a window and take that premiership cup. Um, I think there will be people at the grand final as long as you know things continue to progress in the way that they're progressing. I think there's going to be people at games in the next few weeks. I mean, there were already people. At the and games so what, in Adelaide with social distancing. And I imagine if you're playing at the MCG on grand final day and things mm. are still going well. Let's just assume that things continue to go well and there isn't a major second wave of you know, outbreaks around COVID. I imagine mm. that they will have twenty or 30,000 people at the MCG on grand final day. And what do you think is the fair way to allocate those tickets? Is it a thing about... Uh, All randomly, none of whom barrack for the teams. <laughs> <laughs> Many of whom have never watched a game of football before. All corporate packages. Yeah, yeah we, we're going to fly out John Travolta specifically yeah. so we can have an entire section for him and his Qantas mates. John Travolta, a couple of NFL commissioners, you know, some dude who runs Mission Foods. Like, you know, just some people from, from overseas. Well, do you do it... Um, do you make it completely... Uh, uh, completely... The fairest thing would be just to make it... Uh, like a lottery and you, know, you just apply and, and just randomly people get selected or do you go to that thing of okay well who are the longest members who you know, do you go to the the, the the top tiers of each club first like they're who are their highest ranked members and then their longest serving members but then you know that sort of discounts people who are just because you've been following a club and you're in your 60s does that mean make you a, a better supporter or a more dedicated supporter than you know someone who's in their 20s or 30s i mean it puts you it puts you in a, um, I mean, they're the most vulnerable parts of our society, the elderly. Mm. That's the problem. Well, you know, if you say to somebody, you've mm. been a you know member of the Saints for 50 years. Well, firstly, you've seen a premiership in your lifetime. So steady down, Tiger. And secondly, 
Well, hang on. Well, not How quite. Saying Sorry, 50. No, <laughs> not 50. quite. I said 50 years being a member. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just. <laughs> just. <laughs> you signed up the, the year or two that they won the premiership and you've been yeah, a member. You were born in the year of the last premiership. I think a series of challenges to prove how St Kilda you are. So, for example, there would be a quiz element to it, like, you know, naming a whole bunch of players, what their numbers are, what their statistics are, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, What's your history with the club? A series of questions and challenges along this. I mean, this could all be good content for online as well. You know, this is how we're going to give away the tickets. We're going to run these online competitions. We're going to generate traffic through the Saints website to pick our biggest St Kilda fans for the games. There'd be some sort of vocal um, component to it because one of the things about – you know, watching the Adelaide game was seeing how many of the people were on the how phone. Loud. They were just like... Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you know, they go to the crowd and there'd just be somebody on their phone. You'd have to promise to not be on your phone, for example. Like, there'd be certain guidelines if you're going to be a, you know, in the crowd for this grand final. You're not allowed to look at your phone for the entire game. You're not allowed to... You've got to concentrate on the game. Maybe down at St Kilda, they could be St Kilda-themed sort of challenges. So, like... How well do you know your jacks, for example? You have like a range of jacks from the St Kilda team and you have to pick which jack it is. Um, maybe you have to see how many eggs you can hold in your hands, Stewie Lowe style. Like there's a series of, you know, St Kilda-themed challenges that you have to pass to prove yourself a great member. I think that's I think that's a really good idea. I'm just wondering what would be... how. I'm wondering how, as a, as a Saint supporter, how I can... how I suss out other legit saint supporters when i meet someone and they tell me they're barrack for st kilda generally i think what it is is you bring up obscure players like you can always tell someone's credentials if you can bring up like someone who played 20 games or less and that person knows exactly who you're talking about like if i say damien kitschke and another saint supporter goes oh that time he was run down in the goal square at windy hill it's like right you're legit right. you're in you're in <laughs> in fact, I like the idea that you could be the bouncer for this. I feel like this could be your ambassadorial role down at the Saints. If you guys make the finals and they need to pick somebody, because you could really turn it into a show. Like, you say you had to find a thousand Saints fans, yeah. you know, who could be at the game, and you have to have the criteria. So, firstly, naming obscure players yeah. and seeing what comes up, what would be the next thing that you would do to ascertain if they were a big Saints fan? Well, I think the eggs in the hand is classic St Kilda. Mm. Like, there was only one player you associate that with. It seemed to happen every preseason. There'd be a photo of Stewie Lowe. So, I think... Not that you want to qualify it on the eggs because not everyone has bucket hands like Stewie, but there's no. got to be some kind of, I mean, how would you make it sort of more egalitarian yet still speak to people's kind of understanding of, uh, oh, you know what it was? You just ask them, what, do, what is it? You just put them in a room and you just walk in with a handful of eggs and you ask them, what does this mean? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> if they know what you're talking about, they're in. If they don't, you throw the eggs at them. <laughs> I do like that idea of like word association. You yeah. just have a series of objects and they have to immediately identify from those objects what incident it is that you're referring to. That's right. You so walk- you come in with an egg and yeah. everyone who's written down on their piece of paper, Stewie Lowe, they go through to the next round. Yeah. You let a pig run through the classroom, you know, like a, a pig with a plugger <laughs> written on the side. What's this referring to? You, you, you send in a dwarf, you set him on fire. What's this all about? <laughs> and if they get it, they're in. What would it be for the Bulldogs? What would be your three qualifiers? If there's three 
if there's three qualifiers to know if someone's a legit Bulldogs fan, what would it be? What's the inside okay. info? I take off my shirt and I wave it over my head. Brad Hardy at Mick Malthouse from ah, the bench, yes. defying yep. him on the on the sidelines. Um, I I say, oh, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, Captain <laughs> Gronawagen. <laughs> The incident where the Bulldogs were on the plane yeah. and they had to land the plane in Hawaii. That's uh, that's definitely one of the iconic Bulldog moments. And then uh, let's say, would it be like some sort of Dougie Hawkins moment or would it be some sort of... I think a, a, lib, a Libba moment, maybe just like... Maybe you just like you bring Libba in as like a guest speaker... Mm-hmm. And then you and Leather exit the room. And then when you come back and you've just got scratch marks under your eyes, <laughs> your back's covered in like scratches as well. I get us to do a class photo. And in the class photo, yeah. I just take my penis out and no one notices. Again, Robert Gronowagen. A lot of these are more, <laughs> do you know who Robert Gronowagen is rather than do you know your stuff about the, the Bulldogs? <laughs> hey, um... We've always talked on this show, good friend of the show, Scott Dooley, who uh, was a very, who was our guest on the grand final episode we did after the 2018 grand final. Um, we've talked at length about how he resembles James Hurd. Uh, but watching the Hawks-Geelong game on Friday and seeing uh, Chris Scott's ISO beard, he's starting to look a lot like me. Mm. I'm thinking that we can cast this telly movie just out of friends of ours. Okay. And I can play both Chris and Brad Scott. I mean, that'd be great. You know, you you do your Tom Hardy style, you know, playing twins, yeah. but playing the different twins. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. Okay, I mean, so ha- Charlie Clawson is Brad and Chris Scott. I love that. And how would you, like, how how would you distinguish between them? Like, generally in a movie when someone's playing twins, like, there is some kind of tell that this is, you know, which, which twin you're looking at. Do you think there is, can you think of a difference between Brad and Chris Scott? Um... Well, I think I feel like Chris's head's rounder, <laughs> like more symmetrically round, and I feel like Brad's just has a bit more of a sense that like he could be, you know, like Brad looks like Jim Henson made him a little, whereas Chris yeah. looks like he's got a bit of a rounder, rounder head. Brad, Brad's more of a thumb. Mm. He looks like more of a thumb than Chris. <laughs> yes, and I think also, and I don't know why I get this, but I feel like Brad's angrier, crankier. Like he's the grumpy one. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure that if he is in real life or not, but that's sort, certainly the perception you get. I'd, I would not say it to his face, but that kind of proves my point. You wouldn't say it to either of their faces though. But the thing is, of course, Brad's the grumpy one. He coached North Melbourne and Chris coaches Geelong. That, that in yeah. itself. I mean, if you swap them over and you let Brad coach along and you had Chris coach them or Melvin, then maybe he would have been the grumpier one. It's fucking annoying that Ge- Geelong could be good again, isn't it? Like, we were kind of hoping that, wow, you know, all their stars are over 30 and Garibald's like 100 years old and Danger's, you know, 31 and Selwood's, you know, getting over. They look good and they look like they've got young kids coming through and even... You know who had a great game on Friday? Who? Oh, Reece yeah. Stanley. Reece Stanley. Like, he got potted by mm. Nick, of course, in the uh, pregame. Where Nick said, like, you know, he's got all the attributes, but he never delivers. Like, Nick doing his regulation, I hate Reece Stanley. But then Reece Stanley 
had a great game and it was actually I could hear Rui's teeth gritting throughout the game with every possession that Rhys Stanley picked up it just fucking enraged him I got a weird sound effect in the commentary box and now it's just Nick Rewalt grinding his teeth <laughs> <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. Stanley's got it again. Crunch, crunch, crunch. He couldn't help himself too. Like I think, you know, it was at halftime or one of the breaks where someone was talking about what a great game Reece Stanley was playing and Rui just had to come in with, yeah, but he does this. He does play a great game from time to time. It's His issue's never been his ability. It's been his consistency. It's like, oh, Rui. Time to write a... Rui should write a second autobiography, but it should all be about Reece Stanley. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll tell you, he's someone who has got consistency, Nick Rewalt, his consistency of thinking <laughs> Reece Stanley is a shit player. Um. I think that Geelong could be the one that, I mean, I know they're one of the power clubs, but they strike me as the team that probably weren't going to win the premiership in an ordinary season, but could win it this season because they're going to have that home ground advantage. And I feel it's still going to be a home ground advantage for them. And I think that those players that you talk about, Selwood, Dangerfield to a certain extent, but Ablett in particular. Like Selwood looked amazing. Selwood looked back to his yeah. best that you thought maybe even was, you know, they're, I think they're the players who are going to benefit from shorter quarters and from the fact that it's a yeah. truncated season. Yeah, and there's certain players who clearly, especially the, you know, sort of inside mids, where you'd love a kind of six-month uh, off-season. That's what essentially they've had their body. They've had longer than they needed to to get their bodies right again. So... Yeah, I think you're right. Like they are, if you're talking about that mix of kind of youth and experience and now it's only 17 games, they're kind of primed. Like they, if it was a 22 game season, who knows if the older bodies would be able to make it all the way through. But, you know, they could, they could steal one for sure. Well, that was the thing about Ablett. They were saying, well, we, we think we can still get sort of 15 or 16 good games out of him a season. So that's why we've <laughs> kept him on the list. And now there's only 15 or 16 games. So he's probably going to win the Brownlow. Yeah. And what about Hawthorne? surprisingly shit a lot of people were tipping them to be top eight this year is it a thing you just never tell with Clarko can you like Hawthorne are like a a horror movie villain it's like you just can't quite count them out like you know that they'll they'll pull one out of the the bag they'll play Collingwood or something and beat them by six goals and you just won't be able to get a beat on them yeah we thought they were dead but we did run away from the body without chopping off its head so we imagine that at some stage later in this movie they're going to reappear out of the dark and strangle us Hawthorne um what did you think of uh, Bergwin's tackle oh you know I mean Paddy Dangerfield said it's just one of those things that happens in a game of football and you know look you look at Bergwin's record he's not like a dirty player or anything I just think it's just one of those things that happens in a high speed high contact game I didn't I it didn't fuss me much I must admit it's pretty uh, pretty unusual though to see well I mean it's not unusual for the AFL to make run uh, rule changes on the fly but the way they reacted to this one was like oh okay this is like a clear message I think the the, the, the speed in which they changed that rule was as much as sort of letting players know as anything that's like, you just you just can't do that. Like, if they, they're so terrified about the, the potential lawsuits that are coming their way. Anything where someone's getting dropped on their head. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, Charlie, but mm. in AFL, the head is sacrosanct. <laughs> and Burgoyne did not treat the head as if it was sacrosanct. Now... He accidentally treated it like it wasn't sacrosanct, but you've got to remember that the head is sacrosanct. In the name of the Father, the Head, and the Holy Head. (laughs) North Melbourne, what do you think? Are you excited yet? Kind of. I'm kind of excited. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you don't dislike North Melbourne. Like, you, you want them to do well. They're the shin boners. But they're actually looking like they've pulled it together. And you know what's cool is hearing Reese Shaw talk about their game plan. Like, his press conference after the game, it's just like, oh, we just keep it really simple. Just kick, mark, go, for, you know, try and score as many goals as possible. It's like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like this simple. It's so, it, it actually seems to match... If you think of the Bulldog, uh, uh, the Kangaroos as that kind of workman-like blue-collar club, yeah, take a blue-collar approach to it. And seeing them take on a team like GWS and beat them at their own game, it's like, oh, this is cool, man. Like, I, if North win it this year, I, I'd be happy for them. I think it's, you know, they deserve it. They've been kicked around a bit. They Was it two years ago where they won, like, no, nine out of the first 10 games and everyone was like, this won't last. And it turns out they're all right. Well, I mean, there is a possibility that happens again, but I, I do like the setup that they have. And I think that you're absolutely right in that. I think they've just got a bunch of players at North Melbourne who probably respond better to simple messages. You've got to know your players. Ben Cunnington yes. doesn't want to see a series of Ben Cunnington. <laughs> I mean, this is probably the big danger for them in that the players are allowed to go fishing again as of this week. So you just don't know if that's going to take his eye off the ball. You know, you know, if he goes from the shin bonus spirit to the fish bonus spirit, then that's, that might be disastrous for North Melbourne. Uh, speaking of Ben Cunnington, I was going to get to this at the end of the show. We've had quite a bit of mail, so I thought we could sort of uh, make our mailbag segment quite regular because it seems like people want to express their opinions. But this was someone, uh, something that someone sent to us about Ben Cunnington. Uh, from Matthew, hi, Will and Charlie. I really enjoyed the pod and have been with you from the very start. I figure at least one of you will have some enthusiasm back next week as your team will have had a win. It has helped me over the lockdown that when I think about football, that at least my side won in round one. I've been enjoying the Cunnington content and it struck me while listening to this week's show that Ben Cunnington could be the anti-Nat Fife. Mm. The Nat Fife Nat Life segment could not be more different than to go fishing with Cunnington segment. If the two of them were put in the same position, would they do the exact opposite thing every time? Thoughts, please. Keep up the good work with the pod. I mean, it's a buddy comedy that I'm making to see. Ben Cunnington and Matt Fife on a road trip together, forced into some sort of AFL all-star team where the two of them have to travel together and have a series of odd couple-like adventures. Put him in a hub. That's what you want to see. You want to see North Melbourne and Frio in a hub and those two somehow, through some hilarious like mistake, they're forced to room, room together. together. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Like, and you could have like a shot of like the bathroom that they have to share and that five sides all like clean and he's got moisturizers and hair products and bronzers. I reckon that five probably has a bit of makeup that he wears as well, just to cover some bruises. And then you got like Ben Cunnington's side and he shaves, I bet Ben Cunnington shaves with like a, just an open blade, just like a fishing knife, like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. yeah. With his, with his fishing knife. Exactly. The same, the same knife as he scales his fish with, he uses to shave. Although since Cunnington has done the advanced hair thing. Maybe what would be great if it was a Queer Eye style makeover? It's the Nat Eye for the Cunnington guy. <laughs> okay. So and Nat Five comes in to, to, to give Ben Cunnington a makeover. I would watch that. If that was like a... Because uh, I think Amazon Prime are about to launch a, a series which follows like, you know, players of different clubs. A bit like that documentary they made on the Aussie cricket team. Mm. But can I make an early request. I would like to see Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife with Nat Fife giving Ben Cunnington a makeover. How to dress, where to dine, 
Maybe Ben Cunnington is um, favourite for the Brownlow. North Melbourne have a great season. They get into yes. the grand final. We're going into yeah, Brownlow night and Ben Cunnington is yeah. favourite to win the Brownlow. And then last year's winner spends a week with him trying to get him ready for the Brownlow, helping him pick out a suit for the big night and yeah. helping him get his skincare regime together, working on his speech with him, giving him some tips yeah. on you know, shirtless shots the next day while he's doing yeah. his media interviews. I can see like a total 40-year virgin type scene where he's getting his chest waxed, where like Nat Five takes him to his favourite beautician and <laughs> got Ben Cunnington getting his chest waxed. And just and it's constantly a series of misadventures. You know, Nat, Nat Five takes him up in the helicopter, but Ben Cunnington uses it to shoot pigs or something. <laughs> like he's in the back <laughs> yeah, shooting not. pigs out of the helicopter. Or- or Ben Cunnington's never been on a helicopter in his life, so he's all like white knuckled, holding on, doesn't understand how this thing can fly. <laughs> or Nat Five's going now that teammate, who's that? And Ben Cunnington names him, and he goes, "Nah, that's where you failed already. You're not meant to know who that is. You're the star." <laughs> uh, Matthew in his uh, email also just gave us a little postscript <clears throat> about narcs, and he says that at the Swans, their biggest narc is Will Hayward. He's a real coach's pet who John Longmire would send out to make sure no players are misbehaving. Oh. Now, my question for you, Will, is who's Will Hayward? Yeah, exactly. I agree. Who is Will you know Hayward? Who, what position? Do you know who he is? What pos- Does he actually play? For the Swans? I mean, I know we don't know much about this in his ones, but I'm certain there is no player called Will Hayward on their lists. Is, is he Haywood or Hayward? Hayward. Okay, Will Hayward. Okay, How did you know that I got that wrong? Let's see. Um, all right, so Will Hayward. Um, uh, yep, all right, here we go. He's got a Wikipedia page, so I can tell you something about Will Hayward. Uh, Will William, he's another William. Uh, let me try and guess. Is, is he a halfback flanker? He strikes me as a from that name. Is he, does he play in the halfback I mean, flank? He looks like plays he in defense, does he? Okay, so he looks like a guy who I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm wondering. Guessing. I don't know. Like all those other guys we don't know yeah. play in defense as well. So they can't all just have defensive players, can yes. they? Um, all right, let's see. Um, no, he's a he's a forward. Will Haywood is a forward. Um, William O.A. Haywood. Um, I don't know if he's, he's just got initial, middle initials or whether it is uh, that he... Um, let's learn some more about him. Um, okay. So Will Haywood's profile on the website of the Sydney Swans. That's what I'm going to look up. Okay. Um, how old is Will Haywood, would you guess? 23. Um, how how tall is Will Haywood? 193 centimetres. 187 centimetres. Uh, what what weight is <laughs> Will is not, Haywood? Uh, 90 kilos. 84. So he's a small forward. He's a small yeah, forward. Yeah, he's got to be small forward, right. Uh, he... Uh, yeah, he, he's a small forward. Okay, Sydney Swans, sprightly, they describe him as on the Swans website. Sprightly sweet right. Sydney Swans forward, Will Haywood, enjoyed a rocketing start to his career as he became the 11th youngest player in the AFL era to reach 50 career goals in 2018. Never heard of him. Oh my God, never heard of him. <laughs> he kicked 50 goals in 2018. Or the, career goals. Uh, 50 career goals in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 2016 draftees at nippy pace and cunning goal awareness have made him a dangerous option in John, John Longmire's forward line. A broken jaw and a persistent hip wow. injury limited Haywood to just 12 goals in 13 senior games in 2019. He's South Australian. Okay. Um, right. Is there a, like a player profile or a, like a question and answer sort of thing here? 
Is there? A, have you got? Are you looking at a photo of him? Yeah, I'm looking at a photo of him. Okay. All right. I'm going to guess. Is he a brunette with a mustache? You know what? He doesn't seem to have a mustache. <gasps> he doesn't play for Sydney then. No, he's 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 a good looking cat. He's like. Uh, Who's he? He's a he's a hand. He looks handsome. He looks like a Sydney Swans player. Right. Um. And that's about it. That's all the information we have on Will Haywood, even on the uh, Swans website. All right. Well, let's get to some mail. Um, I'll just quickly, uh, Melbourne, Carlton, um, were you uh, hoping to see the Demons lose that game, knowing how much you hate them? I don't think I hate them anymore, honestly. Okay. I think that, like, here's, I think Good, because I think that trope's getting tired on this podcast. We need to change that. We need to find a new villain for this year. I, I think the new villain hasn't established itself yet. But I think also, it, genuinely, my attitude to football at the moment is just like, it's. I actually really enjoyed watching it on the weekend. I didn't think that I would. I was not mm. not looking forward to seeing it again. I thought it would look terrible without the crowds, but I listened to some games on the radio and I watched a couple of games on the TV and I actually quite enjoyed it all. I thought it was, they're doing a really good good job. I thought the games were pretty fun. But what I've realised is that that idea of stakes, like I didn't mm. feel terrible when the Bulldogs lost. I just went, okay, well, they, they played badly and St Kilda played well and that's just, you know, it's a game. That's why they play the game in the first place. And... Yeah, and it was the same with hating teams. My my passion to hate the Gold Coast and Melbourne have just gone away. I'm just like, yeah, good on them. I hope that they, you know, I hope they play the game well and they have a good season. No, I didn't feel that at all, and I don't feel hatred to Carlton. I feel sympathy to Carlton, but um, I think that they're still not very good. Did you? Uh, so you had no anxiety about the game, win or loss, going into it? Did you get any kind of like jitters? Pre-game? No, I felt a little bit of excitement in the first couple of minutes. I felt some excitement going into uh, that sort of half of the first quarter when I suddenly, they were playing well, they were moving the ball well. I was like, oh, hang on, here we go. And then that excitement mm. very quickly went away. <laughs> and, yeah. and never well, returned. Fuck, man. It was the Bulldogs of last year could not kick for goal. Like you had a real chance to get like a two or three goal break on us, which could have changed the entire uh, look of the game. But... You just couldn't kick straight in that first quarter. And then it was all over. Yeah, I was hoping it was the Bulldogs of last year. That's what I was excited about. I was like, oh, hang on. This might be the Bulldogs of last year. <laughs> we were pretty good last year. But it turns out we were the Bulldogs of the year before when we were shit. Uh, we asked people um, if they could uh, uh, send in their memories of Murray Trigonic because oh, we could only come up with yes. two Murray Trigonic sound effects. So I've had a few people... Uh, contact us. So uh, Marcus got in contact to say, G'day, Charlie and Will. Love the show. Here are my top 10 Murray Trigoning soundbites. Nurse, which I think we identified. Folks are dumb where I come from, which we also identified. Now, here's some newbies. Why are people so unkind? Kamal. Why are people so unkind? Uh, um, now, what situation in a match would you imagine that you use the Kamal? Why are people so unkind? Um, well, maybe uh, when a player... Like Josh Bruce style, 20 metres out, has a shot and misses and the crowd laughs. Like that's when over the loudspeakers you can have, why are people so unkind? Don't cheer a mistake. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So when Toby Green gets booed by the crowd, you get a little Kamal, why are yeah. people so unkind? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dicky knee whip noise. Oh. Yeah. Which is perfect, again, for a Toby Green or a little uh, little pest. Like whoever the little pest is in your team, the forward pocket. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know a defender has just dropped a mark. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just runs up and starts like nipping at his guy's heels. We just hear that. Whoosh, whoosh. Or Ray Chamberlain. It could be it could be Ray Chamberlain's whistle. It could be the. Yeah. <laughs> we hear uh, well, this one. I, I think I remember 
it, but I'm not sure of the context. Big Deal? I think it was Big Deal. Do you remember that in Hey Saturday? They'd play someone saying Big Deal? Or a crowd of group of people saying so, Big Deal? Big Deal. Is that around Matt Rowell's, Matt Rowell's contract negotiations? <laughs> big Deal. Uh, this one I don't remember at all, but it's right on Daryl and Ozzy. Do you remember that? Right on Daryl and Ozzy. Yeah, I do remember that. I can't remember what voice it was in, but I have memories of well, right on Daryl and Ozzy. Now, it's, how, how do how do we get right on Daryl and Ozzy into a game of okay. AFL? We bring Richard Osborne out of retirement. Because <laughs> his nickname was Ozzy, wasn't it? Oh, Ozzy Jones. Of course. The Saints bring Ozzy Jones out of retirement, put him on a halfback flank. Uh, we also get Daryl Wakeland. <laughs> Both excellent oh, yeah, players. Daryl Wakeland, great. <laughs> Daryl and Ozzy. You can put that in your Saints supporter quiz. You play, you play. Uh, hello, uh, good one, Daryl and Ozzy. Uh, what is it? Nice one, right Daryl and Ozzy. Right, right on, on Daryl and Ozzy. And you say you play that, and you go name a famous Daryl and a famous Ozzy who have played for St Kilda. <laughs> That's the test. Uh, this is Lucky Phil. Is an obvious one we missed. Um, as someone pointed out, I think uh, on Twitter this week, perfect for GWS. Phil Davis. Takes a big grab. This is Lucky Phil. Lucky Phil. Yep, great. Um, now, I don't remember this one, but apparently Murray would drop a medical authorities warn that smoking is a health hazard. Do you remember that one? I do. Um, Jesse Hogan. Uh, Justin had some, he wanted to chime in with someone as well, some uh, Tregoning sound effects as well. Uh, I remember the whip crack, uh, the telephone ring, followed by Daryl picking up the phone and speaking in a, to a distorted, uh, high-pitched voice. That would have been perfect back when um, uh, Warren Treadjay did the, the telephone call to the crowd. That's when you needed, you know, to have the phone ring and then that on the other end. I'm going to go a, a step even further than that. When they have to go to the ARC for a goal review. Oh, yeah. The people from the ARC speak. <laughs> the, umpire. the umpire mimes the phone and then the people in the ARC talk in the... <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, the Adams Family doorbell. Uh, Aaron Sandlins walks onto the field. <laughs> you rang. Uh, an alarm clock style times up bell that was usually played when they were going to an ad break. I don't remember that. Um, well, coming, that's that's your countdown clock coming into okay. the, the countdown of the quarter. Uh, and then he just followed up uh, on an unrelated thing that the AFL Hall of Fame is in the National Sports Museum at the MCG because you're asking last week about the Hall of Fame. Um, okay, this is from Jonathan. Hey, Will and Charlie, I'm a fan out of the United States who found your podcast through TOEFOP. Your podcasts have inspired me to visit Melbourne as well as to start following the AFL. I chose to barrack for the Bulldogs. And while listening to a recent Tofop ep where Charlie shared his recipe for banana pancakes, banana cakes, in horrifying detail, I felt kind of glad to have chosen the dogs over St Kilda. But I digress, and I have the following question for you. If each AFL team would be represented by their respective monikers in a no-holds-barred, no-substitutions footy tournament, who would win? Collingwood would be a flock of magpies, Richmond would be a pack of tigers, etc., etc. I think it would be a rare opportunity for the Gold Coast to actually win something as harnessing the power of the sun would generate both light and heat, which will give them an overwhelming advantage in the field. I hope this question hasn't been asked before. It has. But I hope it gives you something interesting to discuss. Keep up the podcast and look forward to listening each round. This, uh, I'll look forward to listening each round this season. So we have had this question before, but maybe it's worth revisiting. What, the Bombers. Uh, mascot. They, we're not going to beat the Suns, are they? Yeah, in night games. Yeah, good point. 
Trent. Oh, actually, uh, podcast Mike, again, cut this out because he's asked me not to use his name. Oh, no, he said, don't read out my full name. So this is fine. Trent, <laughs> podcast Mike, ignore that. Uh, hey, lads, long-time listener of all your pods. It's my first time emailing. Just thought I'd clarify something from last show when you're talking about the narcs at each club. You both defended the king of all narcs, Nat Five, saying he wasn't one and that the guy who dobbed Connor Blakely in for going for a surfing was the narc at Frio. Well, the guy who dobbed him in was Nat Fife, making him king narc. Keep up the good work. Okay, no, good qualification. Actually, I misread that. He said, keep up the goodish work. I can't uh, think that Ben Cunnington would be a narc. Again, this is why they're such an odd, no. odd couple. I can't. Uh, ben Cunnington's would yeah. be a team a team player. He wouldn't knock on anybody. That'd be ben against Cunnington his code. would do time. He would do time for you rather than rat you out. Ben Cunnington. He would do ten years behind bars rather than rat out on a mate. He, you don't do that. You mate. don't do that, mate. You know what? He'd just be in that uh, prison cell, growing his hair, <laughs> and just drawing pictures, counting down the days until he could go fishing again. Avil <laughs> hey, and Charlie. My friends think the funniest thing ever is to send me Max Gorn puns. Just wondering, what are your best Max Gorn puns? And yes, I know Will hates the demons. What, uh, Max Gorn puns? Are we, I don't know if I have any favorite ones. What are they? Like Gorn in 60 seconds? Uh, Gorn with the wind. Gorn in the USA. Oh, that's good. I like that. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Max Gorn. Um, Gornography? Uh, oh, when he plays Gorn, well, it's like watching oh, Gornography. That's good. Gorn of the Dead? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, she continues, my most irrational fear of Corona was getting advanced hair ads again from you guys. I'm Gorny. Gorny, Gorny, Gorny. <laughs> from you guys having no footy to talk about based on episode one and talking about Ben Cunnington's advanced hair experience. I started getting them when a friend and I were having a long running conversation about Jordan Lewis and his hair situation. I love the show. Cheers, Nicole. And I highly recommend checking out the AFLW. There are some entertaining women on the field as well as off the field like Darcy Vessio and Lily Mithin. Um, all right. An old man waving his fist going, get off my gorn. <laughs> Michael writes in, hey, Will and Charlie. My delight in footy's return has been offset ever so slightly by the latest Fox footy AFL 360 promo. Have you seen this one? Nothing right. Nothing's right. I'm gone. <laughs> gone on I'm the 4th of July. <laughs> Uh, the latest Fox footy promo. It's Robbo cast as Gone Robo of the Cop. Planet of the Apes. Huh? Sorry, I've got, to, I've got to stop doing this now. It's really annoying inside my head. Uh, the latest Fox footy promo. It's Robbo cast as Robocop to give the world Robocop. Another Fox footy Robo classic. Cop. I think you'll agree. I have many questions after seeing the promo. Uh, the three most pressing are what the hell was that? Why? Which movie character would you cast as Robbo in a remake? I'm struggling to go past Danny DeVito's Penguin. <laughs> In that early 90s Batman film, keep up the outstanding work. Have you seen RoboCop? You don't have Foxtel anymore. Yeah, so. That's that's what made me want to uh, defund the police. I'm I, I'm like, all RoboCops are bad. Uh, look, there's it's been a long-running joke on this show, the Fox Booty promos. Of course, we had um, head surfing a few years ago, and then there was the Save mm. the Dribble from last year. Uh, I've only just glimpsed RoboCop. I tried to find a link to it to send to you so we could talk about it today. But it feels like Fox footy have scrubbed the internet of Robocop. I did catch it on my TV during the broadcast. It's, um, it's terrible. <laughs> like it is probably the worst one they've done so far. Like at least the other ones featured some players and stuff. And uh, uh, this is just Robo in like a Halloween costume as Robocop. 
it doesn't make any sense. Like it does, it doesn't relate to his personality, his insight insight to the game he's not a law and order kind of guy i mean he's more slobo cop than robo <laughs> i mean that is the thing is that imagine that would be the way that you would get a robot to infiltrate society though because you would make them look like the sloppiest human being of all time <laughs> if you look at mark robinson you think that is definitely not a man who is an ai generated person but maybe that's the trick it's hiding in plain sight who are you going to cast as robo in the robo movie i mean Let's keep it to the telly movie. So we already know we've cast uh, Scott Dooley, as James heard. I'm playing the mm. Scott brothers. Robbo comes in. Who do we cast as Robbo? Uh, Guyton Grantley, Carl Williams is it. Ah, uh, yeah. That's pretty good. He's a bit young, yeah. though. Can we, you have to age him up. What I mean, about- Guyton's got to be mid-40s. How old's Robbo? Mid-50s. Mid-50s. Yeah, what about Roy Billing as Robbo? bit too small. I mean, <laughs> how old's Roy Billing? Probably though? about 80. That's pretty harsh. <laughs> Uh, Edward writes in, in defense of the D's. Here we go. Hi, Will and Charlie. I'm a big fan, long-time listener of your various pods. However, I've been dismayed over the past season to learn of Will's growing hate fire towards my club, the Melbourne Demons. Dis, dis Stephen made? <laughs> it is my belief that of all people, the two of you as Bulldogs and Saints supporters should understand our plight. Together, our three clubs have put their supporters through more suffering than all other clubs combined. I think you can exclude Will from this conversation. 2016 makes Will immune from this. Just just talk to me. Personally, I think our clubs should pull resources on a three-year roster in an attempt to actually be competitive. In an attempt to convince you that Melbourne deserves your sympathy rather than your scorn, I began to compile a list of misfortunes and mismanagement that have befallen our club in recent history. However... I soon discovered that such a list already exists. I present to you a staggering list of pure misery. We deserve your pity, not your hate. And so there's a link here. Um, this is a, a, a compilation of Melbourne's uh, shittest ever moments, starting all the way... Oh, my God, there are so many. I don't know if we've got time to go through all of them. I'll, I'll give you some highlights. So, Okay, so in 2007, they go into the season touted as Victoria's big hope for the flag. They nearly finished last. Brock McLean enters 2007 in career best form, then breaks his foot in the first round of quarter to one. Um, Neil Danaher quits after being told he would have to reapply for his own job. They lose Danaher's farewell game by a goal with 11 seconds left. Shit, this is like, there's literally 30 entries for 2007. Uh, 2008, uh, Jack Grimes is on the long-term injury list with a back injury before he's even played one game. They lose Dean Bailey's first game by 104 points and then his second one by 95 points. Club champions Jeff White and Adam Uze fall out of favour and spend time in the seconds. David Neitz is forced to retire due to injury and hardly any Melbourne football club fans turn up for his farewell game. Oh my God, that's fucking sad. Uh, Yeah, but that doesn't make me feel sympathetic towards Melbourne. That makes me feel mean-spirited towards Melbourne. I'm like, that's, I think, the the thing that sometimes you feel with Melbourne fans that they're not as diehard as the fans of those other clubs. Yeah, it's the ski trip. Uh, reputation. Okay, yeah. in 2009, they hold a press conference to announce that Jack Watts is getting another the, the cherished number four Guernsey. Um, and to, also in 2009, Nathan Jones attacks is attacked by Collingwood fans outside the ground. Well, that's hardly... I mean, that's hardly... That's very periphery to the actual club. That's more to do with Collingwood than Melbourne. Um, Jack Watts debuts prematurely in an attempt to boost the Queen's birthday attendance and is then su- uh, routinely bullied. Um, uh, okay, they that was a season. They have their fifth straight season of losing every single game at Subiaco, eighth straight season of losing every game at Football Park. Um, 
They they caught Sean, Bo- Sean Burgoyne, uh, but he uh, overlooks them to go to Hawthorne. They have no players in the Australian shortlist. Okay, 2010. Fuck, there's so many in 2010. Um, players are forced to drive around in a car with, yes, I play for the D's, painted on the side as a punishment from the leader gr- leadership group. The car is later sold on eBay at a starting price of $500. Uh, Brad Miller chooses to play with Case. You've got me. Hang on. You've got me here. This is, are you serious that I missed this? The players were forced to drive around in a car that says, yes, I play for the demons. Like one of those judges that makes a shoplifter stand at an <laughs> intersection with a cardboard sign that says I was caught shoplifting. Uh, Brad Miller chose to play with Casey instead of the demons for his farewell game. <laughs> I mean, that is an indictment. When they're like, you know what? It's fine. I'll stick in the twos. Melbourne Football Club holds a function at the MCG to celebrate our Indigenous players only for them to almost leave. All of our all of our Indigenous players leave within two years. Um, we draft uh, Lucas Cook over Jack Darling. Uh, okay, 2011. Casey recruit Brendan Favola despite Melbourne asking them not to. Feb to Melbourne speculation heats up over the year. Uh, Jack Grimes has another season-ending uh, season injury. Never the same again. Casey lose to Geelong by 128 points. Fev is uh, seen leaning against the goalpost with the ball at the other end. Uh, Todd Viney reverses his position on interest in a coaching job only to lose to bottom place Port Adelaide in the last game, costing many chance of getting the job. Um, let's skip ahead to some more recent disasters. Eh? This is, I mean, otherwise we'll never get through this. Okay. So this is 2014. It gets as far as 2014. So they have no Friday night games for the third year straight. Uh, Jesse Hogan does his back in a meaningless NAB Cup game, misses the entire season. Long-term Melbourne Football Club regular Colin Sylvia turns out to be no more than a fringe player at Fremantle. Stefan Martin dominates the second half of the year at Brisbane after being discarded for, by Melbourne. They failed to win a home game all year, the second worst total score ever in a 22-game season. James Frawley teases us for a whole season about what he's going to do and then promptly leaves to Hawthorne. The AFL refuses to give us a priority pick. Yeah, okay. Look, I kind of agree with Will. That is a horror show uh, when it comes to things to have linked to your club, but a lot of them are self-inflicted. And none of them garner much sympathy. No. Like you got one rid of one player and he went on to be a really good player and you got rid of one player and he went on to be a shit player and you're mad about both of those things. Uh, okay, we'll finish on some Eastern Wood stuff. Uh, we sort of read out Eastern Wood's profile and were uh, lamenting his terrible nickname of Woody. Uh, Julie writes in to say the Woody nickname for Eastern Wood came from a 2017 pocket profile on the Bulldogs website. There's actually been an update since the pocket profile of May 2019, where he says his nickname is now the equally unimaginative Western. He also says his favorite comedian (laughs) is Pete Hellyer. Oh, are you serious? How many times have you invited the Bulldogs to your (laughs) Melbourne Comedy Festival show? Haven't you had them in every year for the past five years? He hasn't been in. He's obviously been at bloody Peter Hellier's show. Bloody going down to see Strawny. <laughs> Fucking hell. What a slap in the face. Take the year off, Will. Okay. Last is from uh, Shane. That's okay. Hi, boys. I, I, I'm fine with that because that makes me feel better about not believing in them. <laughs> Shane writes in, hi, boys. I have a nickname for Eastern Wood. Errol. Let me run you through the derivation. It's suitably convoluted and is based on a guy at my school. Uh, based on a guy at my school the name he got growing up based on his surname, which is also Wood. Wood to hardwood, then softwood, 
then softies, flashbacks to a dodgy commercials of the Harvey Norman style store from the 80s. And then Errol Stewart was in the band known as the softies. Therefore, the obvious nickname is Errol. Love the pod, Shane. What do you reckon? Easternwood now Errol? I like Errol because I think Weston, I'd like to know if Weston has come from, because Jack Higgins was calling him Weston. Remember and they played in the AFLX and he would call him, that was one of the memorable moments from the AFLX when Jack Higgins was mic'd up and he was calling him Weston. I wonder if that's where he's picked up the nickname Weston. Why was Jack Higgins calling, did he think his name was Weston Bulldogs? <laughs> is that what was going on with Jack? Did he think that each no, player Bulldogs it was their one name of, is... it was one right. of Jack Higgins' famous comedy japes. It was right. you know, him being funny. But I don't get it. What's the joke? More like Westernwood. Because his name's Easton, so it's more like Weston. Oh, that's pretty... It's a classic reversal. <laughs> He's flipped it. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, the Two Guys One Cup mailbag is open. That's Two Guys One Cup AFL, the number two, the number one, Two Guys One Cup AFL at gmail.com. If you've got any more club nicknames or some... Uh, other pairings of, of, uh, of AFL footballers, original odd couples, we'd love to hear them. If you've got any Murray Trigoning sound effects that we've missed, please feel free to write in. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, should we get to the tips before we go, Will? Yes, we should. Okay, here we go. On Thursday, the Tigers take on Hawthorne, MCG. Uh, well, this is, if you, if you were going to have a classic game where Clarko could weave his magic and completely surprise everybody, yeah. beating Richmond at the MCG would be that sort of game. However... I'm going to go with Richmond. This is a classic. This is exactly what I was suggesting with Hawthorne coming out of nowhere and beating someone by six goals. This is a perfect opportunity for Hawthorne just to confuse us all and go like, fuck, like, are they just a shit team with a great coach or is he actually, you know, he's getting the best out of those players. Do you think Hawthorne are going to win then? Is that what you're saying? Or are you going to say Richmond? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm tipping Hawthorne. Hawthorne. No, I'm going to tip. I'm going to pick Hawthorne. Uh, on Friday night, uh, the Bulldogs take on their mortal enemies, the Giants. At Marvel Stadium. Now, this, Will, this is a statement game. They bashed you up in the elimination final last year. You haven't won a game. How do you beat them? I have no idea. I mean, they smashed us when we were playing at our best last year. I don't know how we go against them when we're playing at our worst. I mean, they haven't been great either, which is, I guess, the only thing that you can take into this game as a bit of hope. But I cannot see the Bulldogs winning this. In fact, I'm going to go against my rule of picking the Bulldogs every week and I'm going to say, <gasps> well, maybe this will inspire them, you know? Maybe it's been yeah, too right. much love. Tough love. A bit of tough love, you know? They've yeah. got soft down there. They've been at too many bloody Peter Hellier shows, you know, with his sunny <laughs> Collingwood fan disposition about the world. You need some hard truths down at the Bulldogs. We're going to have to make some difficult choices at selection. And my difficult choice is that I think uh, GWS are going to win this game. I mean, is it too late in your career? to come up with an alter ego, like a mad Bulldogs footy fan, Strawny style, right? to win the hearts and minds of all the Bulldogs players. Maybe that's how you get Eastern Wood, is Hellier's got Strawny. You can come up with a, a knockoff brand, a, a, a by-low version of Strawny, who's a Bulldog supporter, and you call him Stranny. <laughs> Strandy. He's just, he's just got a, or, a red mullet. Could you call him Gorny? Gorny, yeah. <laughs> Gorny. It's just it's just Strawny's character, but with a beard. And I just do all the same bits about the Bulldogs, but I just call myself Gordy. It's a completely original comic and character. And I'll call Pete Hallier and I'll be like, Pete, I know it feels like I'm ripping off your shtick, but have you looked at Easton Wood's player profile from 2019? <laughs> Fucking Peter Hallier. And I, no disrespect, mate. You're a great stand-up comedian, no doubt. One of my personal favourites. But 
It's my club, mate. If that's Scott Pendlebury <laughs> saying Peter Hallier, I am 100% fine with that. That's who his favourite comedian should be. But fucking the Bulldogs, it should be me or Danny McGinley. Russell Gilbert, they're your choices. You should say Russell Gilbert, Danny McGinley, Will Anderson, or Ernie Sigley. Any of those would have been appropriate answers for that question. Ernie <laughs> Sigley's not, not a comedian. I, Ernie Sigley was pretty funny in his time. Uh, the Mighty Shinboners take on Sydney Swans at Marvel Stadium. Interesting game, but because um, Sydney didn't look terrible, I didn't think. But um, I think that North Melbourne... Um, I've got I've got a bit of fun belief in North Melbourne. I'd like to see North Melbourne do well this season, so I'm going to say North. Me too. I reckon like Brisbane last year were my bandwagon team. They're the one that I like, wanted to see go as far as they could. Uh, I reckon North. That's going to be, apart from the Saints, it'll be North for me this year. I want to see North go all the way. I'd love to see North. If the Saints can't win it, I'd love to see North snatch one this year. I think they deserve it. Sean Higgins was one of my favourite Bulldogs players. And if I can't barrack for the Bulldogs to win the Premiership, I can at least barrack for a Bulldogs player to win a Premiership. Uh, the Magpies take on the Saints Saturday afternoon, fourth versus six. Should be an intriguing game. The Saints running on top of the ground. I do have a little fear that maybe, you know, Saints fans are getting a little too excited. It, uh, like we said, you didn't know whether it was a combination of the Bulldogs playing shit and us playing well or if we're actually the real deal. This could be a real coming back down to earth, taking on the pies at the MCG. They'll be looking to make amends from last week. They're a fucking good side. Uh, I would love to see us win. I think Collingwood will, will win, but I'm going to pick I'm going to pick the Saints because I always do. I'm not going to break my rule to teach, a, to teach a player a lesson for not liking me. Well, you don't need to. The lesson is that they already... Now, if you were reading, say... Um... Uh, player profile Geary's what's his name Jaron Geary Jaron Geary's (laughs) Shannon Geary Um, Shannon Hearn Uh, so Jaron Geary if you're reading Jaron Geary's player profile and Mm. it says favourite podcaster and he's like little dum dum club aren't you insulted by that (laughs) 100% Um, I, I think the Pies win but I'd like to see the Saints win uh, sorry, uh, they take on the Cats take on the Blues at GMHBA. I mean, that's just got to be. I mean, Reece Stanley, Reece Stanley to have thirty possessions and kick four goals, and Nick Revolt to pull his hair out, and that's my lock of the week. It's also my lock of the week. The exact same lock as your lock is my lock. <laughs> uh, the Lions take on the Eagles up at the Gabba. Now, this is interesting. The fucking Eagles looked so flat last week, and did you read? There's a lot of sort of like. There's a lot of kind of chatter about, oh, you know, they're pissed off that they have to be in the hub and they don't get to go home and see their families. Grow the fuck up. You're professionals. Grow the fuck up. People have to do things for work all the time. You get paid a lot of money. You'll be back home soon enough. Just play some football. Don't go around punching plays in the head. Just play football. They're going to struggle. I think they were play- they played terribly. And, you know, without McGovern. Um, Punching Sexton. It's, it's hard to know. Like, you know, where West Coast are at. Maybe it's just first week, you know, having trouble settling in, all those sort of things. But Brisbane are a very mm. good team. I'm going to say Brisbane, but you, you could see West Coast sort of bouncing back and re- making a real statement in this game. But I'm going to say Brisbane. Well, it's 11th and 12th, so it's probably the closest ranked of all the matches this week. Um, I'm going to pick Brisbane. I think Brisbane, yeah, they looked good last week against the Dockers. All right, the Suns take on the Crows. Wow, this is an interesting game. Because the Suns are just everyone's sweethearts this week. Adelaide, disastrous against Port. But having said that, they're still like the more mature team. They've still got good players in there. Do they pull it out against the Suns? I mean, it is it is at Metricon. I mean, it's hard to know how the Suns feel about going for two in a row. 
Yeah. There's just not a lot of exposed form when they're going to, for two in a row and how they're going to react to those unusual circumstances. Sure, West Coast might be living away from their family, but the Suns have to try to win two in a row. And this is this is tough for them. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for the Suns. So I'm just going to say in a hopeful way, you know, let's get... I'd love to see Raul... It'd be genuinely great for the competition if Raul came out again and had another sort of three votes game and, you know, Anderson played well again and, you know, Gold Coast started to get a bit of swagger about them. Now, I think Adelaide probably at the moment, other than the Bulldogs, look like the worst teams in the competition. So I'm going to say... Um, yeah, Gold Coast. Let's yeah. say Gold Coast win that. Man, to here come the Suns. Do 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 do. That's what I'm saying. Uh, all right. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the Bombers take on the Demons at the MCG. Do they have a song? Never a tear us apart style. The Suns, because that's the sort of thing that like it, it could be. Here comes the Sun. You can imagine the Gold Coast crowd singing "Here Comes the Suns," for example. Yeah. Or is it does, it? does it have to be something that's more suitably Gold Coast? So in the way that "Never Tear Us Apart," like LMAFO or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Party Rocket or whatever it's called, yeah. or like that, yeah. or, or um, uh, Pony by Genuine. Just at the start yeah. of the match, they play Genuine's Pony. Uh, who do you think wins out of the Bombers and the Demons? Essendon looked good. I thought. I thought Essendon looked pretty good. Um, the Demons looked okay. Uh, it just depends what um, Demons you're going to get, doesn't it? Like uh, first half Demons or second half Demons? Uh, gee, um, bombers. I think I think the Bombers. I'm going to pick Melbourne. I just feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't know why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> Last game of the round <laughs> is the Dockers taking on Port Adelaide. 15th versus first. Port Adelaide were very, very good. Connor Rosie. I know we've talked a lot about Matt Rowe. How fucking good is Connor Rosie? I love Connor Rosie now, but that, the difference is that Connor Rosie still looks like a boy. Yeah. Matt Rowell looks like Connor Rosie's dad. If yeah. they walked into a, a pub together, you'd be like, it's good to see a dad going out with his son. And they both like football. If I saw Matt Rowell in the street, I'd call him sir. And if I saw Connor Rosie, I'd like you know, ruffle him on the head and go, look at you, you little fella. You're doing well in the AFL, aren't you? Um, I think... If, if there's a team that... I know they're a previous powerhouse, but they haven't been for a very long time. This could be the Port Adelaide season. Mm. I mean, of course it may not be because it's Port Adelaide, but I think that they have that list demographic. They have enough mm. experienced players. They have enough gun young players now. The shortened season, unusual circumstances. There's a part of me that thinks Port Adelaide might be the sort of team that it would work in, in favour of. They're all, already one of those... Bi- yeah, unpredictable teams. Yeah. So the idea of the season being a bit unpredictable, you know, the perfect person in chaos might be somebody who already lives in chaos. And, you know, I, I was, yeah, Bane style. Port Adelaide were born in the darkness, Charlie. I, I reckon Port Adelaide like Geelong. You, you're right. It's that, that, that list balance and the timing and everything. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Port Geelong grand final. Wouldn't that be interesting? It'd be like 2007 all over again. Yeah, I would like to see that. Or I'd like to see... Imagine if it was a Port Adelaide Collingwood grand final and Port Adelaide walked out in their prison bar. I love that. And they just play, they both played in like black and white stripes. That'd make it even more interesting. We're not going to make one of the teams wear an away strip. Yeah. You're both going to wear essentially identical strips and you're going to play. Let's see how you go there. Yeah, you're both wearing black and white and we're going to broadcast it in black and white. <laughs> Um, all right, that's it for the show. Uh, like I said, if you want to contact us, you can at two guys one cup AFL at gmail.com. You can also message us on Facebook. We occasionally dip into our messages there. Uh, we have nothing to promote because there's nothing going on because the world is still in lockdown. Uh, so that's it. Play on, not 15.
football. We are two guys, one cup.